The voice of Motown, West Virginia's leader in news, analysis, and rumors, proudly presents the Voice of Motown podcast, featuring your boys, Brandon and Tyler. Take it away, gentlemen. All right, guys, this is the Voice of Motown podcast. I'm Tyler Pepe. I'm Brandon Cork, and this is a WVU sports podcast by two suffering WVU fans. All right, this Saturday, the West Virginia Mountaineers take on the Iowa State Cyclones at 2 o'clock in Morgantown. The Mountaineers are seven-point underdogs heading into this game. However, the three and four Mountaineers are looking to build off of that much-needed win they earned against TCU last week. Meanwhile, the five and two Iowa State Cyclones are looking to extend their three-game winning streak after coming off of a huge three-point win over the eighth-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys. Are you hyped for Saturday? Hyped and scared. Um, their their team's really good. Um, they have a few uh, NFL draft prospects, um, and hard to find some holes on this team. Yes, it is. Yeah. So let's get right into it. We're going to talk about our defense versus their offense. Let's start off with the guy everyone knows, senior Brock Purdy, their quarterback. Uh, this guy seems to be WVU's you know, thorn in their side. He always seems to have our number. He's a great passer who can use his legs when, he, when it's necessary, whether it's to run or more often than not, he uses them to extend plays and make uh, nice passes downfield. Containing him will be a huge task for our defense, and Purdy takes care of the football as well. Four interceptions on the year. However, three of those was in the Iowa game alone. So other than that game, he's been very good with protecting the football. Um, and Purdy has only been sacked eight times. Compare that to WVU, who's given up 16 on the year. Um, he only gets sacked about once a game. So it'll be interesting to see if our front can rattle him and make him feel uncomfortable in the pocket. Definitely. And this is an offense that can put up points. Um, they're averaging 35 points per game, which is 19th in the nation. They convert 41% of their third downs. They're 96% in the red zone, um, which is good for sixth in the nation. And they're a really balanced team, uh, 51% run, 49% pass. So they're a team that can beat you on the ground or in the air. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and even looking at Purdy's career numbers, he's never thrown more than nine interceptions in a season. So he's he's always been good at taking care of the football. And like you said, they're good at running as well. Senior Brees Hall, he's a beast of a running back. Um, his stats and some of the games he's played in this year are ridiculous. I suggest anyone who's listening, go look at how he's done in some individual games this year. His numbers are outstanding. The only two teams that were able to shut him down, surprisingly, was Northern Iowa was one. And Oklahoma State did a pretty good job of containing them last week. Um, you could argue Iowa did as well. However, Iowa State didn't run the ball a lot in that game. His average was okay. Um, his name gets mentioned in the Heisman for a reason. He's consistent. He takes care of the football. Only two lost fumbles in his three-year career. That's awesome. I mean, Letty Brown takes care of the football as well. He's he's had three in four years. And so um, Hall's right up there with him with taking care of it. So, again, it's going to be a challenge to, to slow him down on defense. Absolutely. I mean, as a team, they're averaging 5.1 yards per rush, about 176 yards per game, and they have 14 TDs. And Brees Hall, like you said, just an absolute monster. Um, I saw in a, a – 
big board today on Bleacher Report that he was actually ranked something like 26th best prospect going into the draft. Um, not only is he a great runner, he's also a great receiver. He actually grades out as a 75.3 um, grade on PFF for receiving, um, which is probably better than a lot of receivers. Um, he's dangerous in space. So Iowa State has kind of shifted their offensive focus, it seems like, to be less around Purdy, more more around Hall, um, which, you know, it's a good compliment to have those two. And, you know, they're pretty devastating together. Um, jumping to their passing game, their passing game is super efficient. Uh, 71.3% completion percentage on 8.4 yards per attempt. They only get sacked about 3.5% of the time, which is good for 14th in the nation. Um, Brock Purdy, again, you, are, you already talked about him, so I'm going to gloss over him and talk about some of their weapons that they have um, at receiver. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson is their top receiver. He's averaging about 77 yards per game, um, five touchdowns. He's not someone who's going to get a ton of big plays, but this offense isn't really a huge play offense um, when they're playing quality opponents. Um, but he does average 12 yards per reception, um, you know, and then they also have the most scariest guy on their team, in my opinion, other than Hall, is Charlie Kohler, their tight end. Second leading receiver, he is 6'6", 260 pounds. He's actually the 12th highest rated tight end in all of college football, according to Pro Football Focus, and he's number two in the Big 12 behind Oklahoma's tight end. Um, I'm honestly not sure who we have on the team who can cover him. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Tight ends seem to be our kryptonite, uh, a, a lot of the time. I, I feel like we've done all right this year covering, uh, tight ends, but yeah, he, he seems to be pretty safety net. So I'll, I'll be looking for Purdy to go his way on, um, critical third down situations. And if you look at his individual games, he has no games that really jump off the stat sheet however he's consistently getting 60 yards and four to five catches just about every game um so that's pretty good for a tight end and Hutchinson even though um you know that that is their leading receiver and overall you know for the season his stats are are okay he's coming off of a huge game against Oklahoma State where he pulled down 12 catches 125 yards and two touchdowns so he's coming in with a lot of momentum. Hopefully we can cover him up and slow him down. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the guy I kind of want to see covering him is um, Daryl Porter Jr. or Charles Woods if he plays and Nick Troy Fortune doesn't. Um, I, I really want to avoid putting Fortune on him at all costs. I know Fortune grades out as our worst um, coverage corner. So um, I could see bad things happening if Fortune is shadowing him across the field, even though we don't really shadow much. Um, but, you know, just seeing how Porter and Woods handled uh, Johnston from TCU last year, I think it's, you know, good to let them keep that momentum going, keep their confidence high and let them match up against their best um, receiver and then see if that can screw up Purdy a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Iowa State, much like TCU for the year, they're very good in the red zone. They have 28 scores in the red zone out of 29 attempts. 21 touchdowns and seven field goals out of that 28. Um, so once they get in the red zone, it's not too often they come up with zero points. So that'll be something to look forward to as well. Um, turnovers for them. Uh, I mean, it's pretty typical stuff, what you would imagine. Seven turnovers forced. They've lost six turnovers on the year. That's pretty typical. But in their five wins, they have six turnovers and lost one. 
in their two losses, they only forced one turnover and they've lost five turnovers. Granted, most of those were all in the Iowa game, but, uh, you know, it's no secret. If you can capitalize on turnovers against this team, control clock, easier said than done, but you, you have a really good chance of pulling off the upset Saturday. Yeah. And, and uh, so I was kind of looking at some ways that WVU might be able to kind of slow down their offense. And I think, you know, the best way to do that, in my opinion, is to kind of figure out what their tendencies are. Um, so I was looking at their stats and I found some interesting trends um, on first down. Um, they run the ball about 63% of the time for 5.6 yards per carry. So, you know, if you guess on first down, they're going to run the ball two thirds of the time, you're going to be right assuming they don't change how they approach this next game. However, on second and third down, it basically flips. Um, On second and third down, they are passing the ball 60% of the time. So, you know, it seems like, you know, if you can go in those early downs, focus on the run, focus on Brees Hall early on, and then those second and third downs, if they're playing second and long, third and long, force them to pass, they're going to pass anyway, but they might be more likely. And then you can kind of play tendencies. Um, so, you know, I thought that was pretty interesting. And then also on third and short, um, you know, WVU primarily runs the ball on third and short. They're actually about 55% to 45% on third and short. That's third and less than three yards. But when they run the ball, they are only averaging 1.9 yards per carry on third and less than three. So, um, I'm wondering if that has to do with just you know, their offensive line not getting enough push. So that could be encouraging. If we can force those third downs, maybe we can get the ball back. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking at their third down conversion rate, and it's pretty close to ours. You know, it's it's nothing scary. So, yeah, if you can force them into third, medium, third and long, um, hopefully that's when we can get them off the field. Do you have anything else for WVU's defense? You ready to get into the offense? Oh, I still have a couple more things about defense if uh, we have Go a ahead. few minutes. But uh, the, back to the red zone, the one thing I thought was interesting too um, and things that we preach for WVU all the time um, is run the ball in the red zone. And Iowa State does. Do you want to guess what percentage of times they run the ball when they're in the red zone? Let's guess 75%. Oh, you're close. 71%. Wow. So, and we see they're scoring at the 96% clip. Um, just goes to show you, you run the ball when you're close, you give it to your best player, good things are going to happen. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting for a team that puts up as many points as Iowa State, um, they're not a really big play team. Um, so I looked at their their Big 12 games plus Iowa. I, I did take out Kansas because it's Kansas. Um, but they only average um, three passes a game that go over 20 yards and about two passes over 40 yards total over those over that four game sample. Oh, wow. um, they average one rush over 20 yards per game, and they only have a total of three rushes over 40 yards over that four game sample size. So they're a team that likes to, you know, live in that five to 20 yard range of making plays. So they're not going to hit you with a deep bomb unless you screw up really bad, but they're also a team that's going to run you dry. So it's going to be important for WVU to get off the field quickly against them. Um, and then kind of my last point on the team is looking at the offensive line and defensive line matchup. As you said, they have the second least sacks against in the Big 12. Um, but they do have some intriguing matchups, in my opinion. Um, 
So their worst run blocker is their center, Newell. He grades out at about 58 run block grade on PFF. And Mesador has been pretty good against the run. So assuming they don't double team him, he could, you know, help, you know, stifle some of the runs that they want to try to run up the middle. And then as far as pass rush goes, looking at the matchup of Stills, Alston, and Bartlett, kind of how we rotate those guys um, around the defense a little bit, going up against their left tackle, Foster. He's their worst pass blocker. Um, His pass blocking grade isn't too much better than Brandon Yates, just to put it into perspective. Um, So, you know, hopefully we can take advantage of that and get some pressure on Purdy. And, you know, we've been doing a good job of containing the scrambling quarterbacks. So, you know, get some pressure, force some mistakes, and maybe we can make it a game. Yeah, that's the biggest thing I'm looking for our defense this week is to do what they were doing against TCU and just be aggressive, whether that means um, throwing in some blitz packages and I want our corners trying to jump routes. I mean, like you said, Iowa doesn't typically hit a big play. So, um, you know, don't let them just constantly get four or five yards, control the ball and and uh, just wear you out. So I'm hoping we're aggressive and try to force turnovers. Definitely. And especially since we don't rotate a ton. You know, them having, even if it's a six or seven play drive over and over again, if we don't rotate that often, we're going to be tired and that second half could get ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Which has been a problem with uh, some of the games we've played in this year. Oh, yeah. So let's get into WVU's offense. Um, I <laughs> Iowa State's defense is scary. I mean, if you just look at the numbers, it's it's shocking how well how high they're ranked in just about everything. Um, and so what I'm looking for in the Mountaineer offense, I need to see more of what we saw last week. The Mountaineers need to put themselves in manageable third down situations. If they end up getting into a lot of third and longs, I don't see them converting that. And that means no self-inflicted wounds. We need to avoid boneheaded penalties, uh, avoid bad sacks, emphasize the run game. It, it worked so well last week. I hope we don't go back to uh, old bad habits heading into this game because as we said, Iowa state's a team that does not make a lot of mistakes. If we, if we dig ourselves in a hole, they're definitely going to take advantage of it. And Iowa state's defense is well-rounded. They don't really have a lot of holes. They're, they're ranked in the top 30 and defensive rushing yards, defensive passing yards, total yards. They don't seem to have a lot of weaknesses on the defensive side of the ball, which is concerning. Definitely. And their defense is, you know, pretty unique too. They run, um, so WVU runs the three, three, five, they run what is considered a three, three, three. So they have three, three down linemen, three linebackers, and then they play three safeties, but the two safeties normally start behind the linebackers. So it's a three, three, three stack. Um, and kind of what they like to do with that is they like to hide when they're blitzing their safeties up and they like to try to time the snap count, create a lot of havoc in the backfield with those fast, players um and we can kind of see the success that's having it makes it hard for offensive linemen to diagnose make the the right adjustments and switches um in order to keep those things you know from blowing up those blitzes from blowing up plays so and we've seen wvu at times get confused by blitzes so on the offensive line so i'm really hoping that you know we're putting in a lot of time in practice looking at what iowa state has done with those what they call fire blitzes and trying to figure out a way to contain them so that they don't, you know, we don't end up with a lot of second and third and longs. Yeah. Yeah. I heard uh, Jared Parker and Neil Brown talking about that in the coach's press conference. They were saying how Iowa state, you know, the, you think you, you only got three people on the line and then next thing you know, they're, they're just sending the house. So 
it'll be interesting. That's definitely a unique defense to play. And and one guy that really jumped off the stat sheet for me when I was looking at their defense is Will McDonald. Um, this guy has seven and a half sacks, three forced fumbles at the defensive end position. So those are terrifying numbers to see when WVU has had a shaky offensive line this year. Now, the offensive line played very well against TCU, but um, it'll be interesting to see if the O-line can slow McDonald down and allow Daggy time to find his receivers downfield, because if not, our offense might revert back to the offense we saw in the first half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And not only is he is, is he a great pass rusher, um, their pass defense is good all around. Um, they've had five picks. They're only allowing about a 60% completion percentage. Um and, you know, they've only allowed a long pass of 52 yards on the season. So they're not a team that's going to get a lot of, you know, turnover. They're not going to give up big plays. Um, another person to note is, and I'm going to butcher this name. So um, Ivonia Uwazarike, he is their defensive tackle. He is a big man. He is over 320 pounds, I think. But he has five sacks on the season. And he's going to be lining up over Zach Frazier. I'm sure he'll be moving over our guards. And it's going to be interesting to see how we handle that because we did have a, I forget which game it was, but a, a couple games ago where we had a big nose tackle who was just living in our backfield. Um, and, you know, having someone who's in your backfield right off the bat that's that big right up the middle is going to cause a lot of disruption. Now, I do see a couple of interesting trends mm -hmm. from their past defense. They are allowing a 70% completion percentage on first down. So we like to, we know West Virginia likes to run on first down. We like when WV runs more, but maybe go off schedule a little bit and throw more on first down. Um, another thing is that they're actually a little bit softer in between the 20. So it's looking a little bit more without watching every single one of their games that they're a little bit more of a bend, but don't break defense. Um, they allow a 63% completion percentage uh, for about a thousand in 35 yards leading to seven touchdowns to only three picks in between the twenties. So that's where Deggy lives and that's where he does best. So I'm hoping that, you know, we can make some, make some plays there. Um, keep possession, get some first downs, keep our defense rested. And then, you know, if it means getting points with Casey leg, or maybe we can hit some touchdowns. Um, those things line up well for us, I think. Yeah, because Iowa State, their offense, it's not like they light up the scoreboard very often. Um, and that could be because they like to, as you said, you know, just get four, five, six yards every play instead of looking for deep shots. But um, I don't expect them to be scoring in the 40s or probably even, you know, the uh, 38 range. I expect it to be somewhere in the 20s. And so um, it will be big for us to get points every time we're on offense, whether that is field goals. Obviously, we don't want to be settling for a lot in the red zone like we had to last week. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we do have success between the 20. Yeah, definitely. Um, so switching over to their run defense, their run defense is really good too, which you touched on. Um, but, you know, there's a couple things that I thought that were interesting. Um, the longest run that they've allowed this season is 27 yards. So do not expect hitting any sort of big play against Iowa State this year. Um, they also have 44 tackles for a loss um, at the top of the list. Use the usual suspects, Will McDonald, Uwa Zarike, and their outside linebacker, Mike Rose, rounding it out with about six and a half. So uh, McDonald has nine, Uwa Zarike has seven, and Rose has six and a half. Um, 
The one thing I thought was interesting, though, is that um, McDonald seems like he's a super aggressive player that you can take advantage of with some, you know, traps, some misdirection, some outside zones, um, you know, with getting all those tackles for losses and sacks comes with a little bit of, you know, guessing, you know, playing out of position a little bit. So it might be interesting to see what WVU can do by, you know, having him go upfield and running by him or running some screens. Um, just any little thing to take advantage of him being out of position and attacking that open field he's leaving there. Yeah. Well, once again, during the coach's press conference, I heard Jared Parker, the offensive coordinator, talk about how they almost law you to sleep. They almost like give you those four or five yard gains and then they, they, they almost bait you into taking a big shot against them so that they can be aggressive on it. So uh, I wouldn't expect either team to have a lot of big splash plays on Saturday. Yeah, and that's not really WVU's thing either. I mean, I think mm-hmm. when we're playing at our best, we're having 10, 12, 15 play drives down the field, controlling the clock. Um, you know, we're not an explosive offense, but we can be, you know, tactical and methodical going down the field. So as long as we don't try to get too greedy, um, and obviously the coaches are aware of that, you know, maybe we can make something happen. Yeah, I'm with you. I, uh, I I think the biggest thing will be to take care of the football. Because as we said, Iowa State's not going to turn the ball over a lot. So I think it's very important for Daggy to, um, you know, make smart throws. And if you have to punt, punt the ball. Make Iowa State's offense score on you. Yeah, definitely. And kind of the last area that I wanted to touch on uh, on their defense is um, their linebackers. So they have three pretty good linebackers. They rotate in at middle linebacker quite a bit. Um, I think they split snaps basically, um, but they're, they're all pretty well-rounded. I mean, we talk about WVU's linebackers being guys who are liabilities in pass coverage. They're not great. You can attack them with guys like Winston Wright and Sam James, if you need to, um, you know, you, you might be able to make some plays there. Um, but they are very good at generating pass rushes. And, and part of that has to do with just the fact that, you know, they're bringing in those safeties from different places. They're stunting. They're disguising things. They play much more of a, it seems like a WVU or not WVU, an NFL approach to playing defense, which is disguise and then bring it. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting, especially like I said earlier, where our offensive linemen have struggled to, you know, diagnose blitzes and pick, make the right adjustments to pick them up. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, do we keep a back end? Do we keep a tight end in to help with McDonald? You know, what adjustments do we make so that we can buy Deggie a little bit more time if he needs it? Um, and then one more thing that I, I skipped over, um, probably the, the person, the matchup that I'm most interested in is um, one of the corners that they rotate in and out. Their right cornerback, TJ Tampa, great name, not a great corner. Um, he, he will line up mostly against Bryce Ford Wheaton. And we know that Deggie loves Wheaton. So, you know, seeing if we could take advantage of that matchup, he is not a very good coverage corner. I think he grades out about 56 per PFF. Um, so he's someone that, you know, digging and hit those slants and stops and, you know, screens, maybe it's something that we can use to our advantage. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It'll be an interesting matchup. I mean, on, on the stat sheet, this is a scary team we're playing, but uh, you know, we're finally heading into a game with some momentum. So it'll be interesting to, it'll just be good football to watch. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I don't go in expecting a win, but I do go in kind of 
hoping that we can hang in there. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's a 0% chance that we win. I think it's probably closer to maybe, you know, 30%, but you know, it's going to be interesting to watch because I want to see us grow on what we did against TCU, even though TCU wasn't necessarily the greatest thing to, to measure up against because um, their defense isn't great, but you know, momentum can go a long way. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason we're seven point underdogs at home. Uh, Iowa State's a good football team. All right, guys. So we are going to do a new segment. This is called the two minute drill where I got eight rapid fire questions for Brandon and he's going to answer them. Question number one. Do you think we see Garrett Green on more than one possession this week? Only if we're getting blown out. I don't know if that counts, but, um, you know, I can see if we're down by three or four scores going into the, the fourth quarter, him getting some more reps then. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. A run-heavy strategy worked against TCU last week. Granted, TCU isn't very good at stopping the run, but with that being said, does WVU run the ball more than they pass on Saturday? I don't think so. I think it's, if anything, it'll be a little bit more pass-heavy. Um, I do think that there are holes, especially with those blitzes, that can be exposed with the short passing game, which WV likes to do. Um, I do think we'll still run the ball. I think draws will be really effective this game. We don't run them very often, but maybe we mix them in for this game. Does Mike Laughlin's status affect how many times we run it? I don't think so. Um, I, I think O'Laughlin is a much better pass catcher than TJ Banks, but when it comes to run blocking, they grade out really similarly, and TJ Banks is a better pass blocker than O'Laughlin given that um, O'Laughlin does go out for passes more than Banks does. But, you know, we're going to need an extra blocker this game, I think, with the amount that they blitz and with McDonald and how aggressive he is. So it might not be a bad thing. Yeah, and O'Laughlin's a game-time decision, so he's a good player. Hopefully we see him on Saturday. Next question, who will lead WVU in receiving yards on Saturday? I'm going to go with uh, kind of what I touched on earlier, Bryce Ford Wheaton, um, assuming TJ Tampa plays a lot um they do rotate there quite a bit but i think that's a matchup he can exploit and he's been playing really well the past few games nice yeah yeah that that, that was a good eye looking at that matchup uh next one i think this one will be interesting nick troy fortune is a game time decision if he plays how much playing time does charles woods get knowing the coaching staff i would say 30 percent of snaps um if it were me though i would play Charles Woods at least 60%. I would kind of move Nick Troy Fortune just to, to the back. Um, this might be a longer answer than what was needed, but I, I think Nick Troy is a much better tackler than any of the other corners that we have. But in coverage, he, he can be a liability. So I really liked what Woods was doing out there when it came to playmaking and ball hawking because we need that desperately. Yes, we do. Next one, over-under question. WVU, one and a half sacks. Do they go over or under that total? I'm going to say over. I think we'll end up you know, somewhere around two. I do think that um, Stills will end up with at least one. He's been kind of on a roll recently. Um, and I'm going to guess for the second one, I'm going to say Bartlett gets back on the stat sheet. I think he's due. All right. Last two questions. They're pretty similar. Does WVU make a bowl game? If they lose against Iowa State, I definitely think it's still a possibility. Um, we still have Texas, um, so maybe it's going to be tough. 
I'm going to lean towards no. I think we're going to end up at five wins. Yeah, I think this is a big game. I, th- I think if they drop this one, uh, I'm not liking our odds because I feel like we have to win against Iowa State or Oklahoma State to make it. And if we lose this one, you only got one more chance. So uh, last question, almost the same question. Does WVU make a bowl game if they win against Iowa State? I think so. I mean, I think we definitely win one of Kansas State or Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, you know, the, the, the two differences between those two teams is, you know, one has Skylar Thompson, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. The other has someone who has not been very good this year. So um, it's going to be an interesting matchup with both of those teams um, to see how it goes. And I do think we can pull off a win against one of them in Kansas. If we lose against Kansas, then the entire coaching staff should be thrown out the door immediately. So, yeah, I think we definitely get in the bowl if we win. Yeah, I'm with you because I think we beat K-State and I think we beat Kansas. And that right, if we get a win Saturday, that's all you'll need to do to get to a bowl game. Yeah. All right. The, uh, yeah, just to kind of touch on Oklahoma State again, I think it's a game that the more I think about, the more it's a really interesting matchup. I, I know we're a few weeks ahead. But, you know, our defense has been solid and their offense isn't really spectacular. Mm-mm. So it could be a low scoring game and we have Casey leg and they don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we could win that game. But yeah, they're again, they just have a scary defense over there in Oklahoma State. So uh, let's get to our final segment. This is called Good, Bad and Hope. What's good about this week? Bad and what we hope to see so for me my good is going to be the mountaineers are finally heading into a game with some momentum i mean after we beat liu that's you know that's not really gonna get your players pumped up and after the win against virginia tech i mean that was huge that was good for morale but that, that game almost gave every fan a heart attack we almost blew that game and so i don't feel like we had a ton of momentum going into oklahoma after that victory so I think it's good that the coaching staff, the kids, they finally have a ton of momentum going into a game. And I'm just hoping that momentum, you know, carries over and uh, hopefully we get off to a good start on Saturday. My bad is Iowa State's defense. I, I got to keep going back to that. Their numbers are just bonkers. I mean, if you watch them play, you you, you know they're a good defense. But then when you really break it down and, and look at where they're ranked in almost every category, they don't allow a lot of yards through the air or on the ground. And uh, it's just going to be a tough challenge for West Virginia's offense. And my hope, my hope for the offense is I hope we run the ball a lot. I hope we focus on controlling the clock, give our defense a break. And my hope for our defense is I hope WVU pressures Purdy. Don't let him sit back there and pick you apart. This guy's a senior with a lot of starts under his belt. And I think if you give him time, he will make you pay. So I hope that they pressure him. And I hope that creates turnovers for the Mountaineers. I like it. Um, So my good is going to be Jarrett Deggie's performance from last week heading into this week. I I think what he did um, should help back off especially coming back home back have some of the fans back off and buy back in on him and you know stop chanting for green as much i i I would love to see green more just as much as anyone else but you know i want to keep deggy's confidence high because it's important to have him um you know like i talked about earlier in between the 20s is where you can make some some plays against iowa state so um you know, you need Deggy to do that. I don't know if Green could do that, especially with how aggressive and fast this defense that we're facing is. 
the bad, um, the bad is going to be, you know, even though our offensive line looked better against TCU, um, TCU didn't have the same, you know, chaotic system that Iowa State's going to bring. And unless we, you know, come in and completely change the way that we're coaching the line and preparing, you know, we've seen the holes that are in there and we've seen what happens when teams kind of bring blitzes from different things, put delay blitzes on, come in from different angles. It just throws everything off. So I could see those blitzes and that, that McDonald um, and the defensive line just all together, absolutely destroying any sort of offensive progress that we've made. Um, my wish is that like kind of on the same token that you said is control the ball, you know, keep it low scoring, get first downs. Don't try to hit the big play unless they, they're absolutely giving it to you. Um, and yeah, just hit short passes, mix it. Don't just run up the gut all the time. Cause you're not going to get yardage there, especially with that big defensive tackle. Keep running those misdirections, those outside zones that we were running last week against TCU. And, you know, maybe we can get it down to the last possession. Yeah. Yeah, I hope WVU keeps it close and uh, is at least in this game late in the fourth quarter. So uh, that's it for us, guys. Before we sign off, I just want to encourage everyone, if you haven't listened to the Derek Culver interview yet, go ahead and check that out. Uh, You know, wherever you're listening to our podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere. Um, He gave a great interview, and I think it's worth a listen. Thank you guys for listening. We're going to sign off for the Voice of Motown podcast. I'm Tyler Pepe. I'm Brandon Cork, and uh, before we sign off, too, I also want to note, you know, uh, subscribe, follow our Twitter page, like our t- Facebook page. You'll get all the news and everything there and get some in-game commentary from us as well. And if you uh, ever want to support us, obviously, we're we're doing this for fun, but, uh, you know, it never hurts to have a few bucks. You can find the link in our Spotify page to donate money to us. So, you know, we won't complain if you decide to give us five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Bye, everyone.